you are. We are beginning a, a brand new series of teaching uh, this morning. Having begun 2024 um, with, I believe, a really strong direction. And thank you so much for the feedback that we've been receiving uh, to the messages that we've been sharing since the beginning of January. If you remember back in January, it feels like a long time ago now, doesn't it? You know, we're in February and um, the beginning of the year and Christmas seems like a lifetime uh, away. Um, But in the beginning of January, we spoke a a three-part mini-series all about having a healthy and prosperous 2024. And if you remember, we talked about the fact that it's so important that we have healthy priorities that we have a healthy mindset and that we have healthy relationships in order to see that fulfillment of a healthy and prosperous 2024. And then over the last three weeks, we've been spending time talking about our vision and our theme for 2024. Now, the vision stuff, I'm not going to go over. Again, it's all available online via the Family Church app or family.church forward slash listen. You can listen to all of that in terms of the whole church vision um, and how that outworks here in Haven as well. We spent a couple of weeks on that. Uh, If you haven't yet got uh, a vision brochure, uh, then don't forget to take one this morning. They're at the back of the room and you can grab one of those. Um, And Trish has returned from America. And so Trish's testimony is in there. And apparently she's doing uh, signed copies after, um, but they are completely free, so don't let her charge you for those. My tongue is firmly in my cheek, just in case you think that you know, we're actually doing that. Okay, we spent three weeks talking about our vision and our theme, the vision stuff I'm not going to go over again today, but our theme and our focus in terms of our teaching this year is all around the thought of being rooted. And our focus, of course, being discipleship. Now, again, the overview is online. But last week, Pastor Andy came and shared uh, a thought all about what it means, as Nimi said, to step away from a crowd experience of Jesus to truly knowing what it is to be a disciple or a follower of Jesus and the difference between the two. Now, as we've been sharing the overarching theme of 2024 in terms of being rooted, we've mentioned that One of the ways that that's going to be outworked um, may be through connect groups and different things that we do. But another way that it's going to be outworked is through what we teach on Sunday mornings. And we shared at the beginning of this year that we're going to take some time um, to look at four different aspects and talk over the course of a year. We're going to have some breaks and then come back into it. But we're going to teach them some ologies over the course of a Sunday morning. Now, Instantly, some of you are like, what on earth is an ology? What do you mean by ology? Ology is very simply the study of. That's all it means. It means the study of whatever that thing may be. How many of you did biology at school? Right, you remember doing biology. I've shared before uh, my experience with biology that um, when I started GCC, the teacher pulled me aside and said that it would probably be mutually beneficial if I stepped off the course for her and for me. And so it turned out. But biology is simply the study of living things. Psychology, you know, you hear so much about psychology today. It's simply the study of the human mind. And so don't get put off by these words that we're sharing with you. Ology simply means the study of. And we're going to look at a number of these over the course of this year. They're called Christian doctrines. Now again, what does doctrine mean? It simply means what we believe. And so we're going to take time to underline what we believe and why we believe it and what difference it makes to our everyday life. So we're starting today with the thought of Christology. And over the next five weeks, we're going to be talking about Christology. Again, don't be put off by the title. Hopefully you've worked out how this works by now. Christology is simply the study of Christ, the study of Jesus. And so we're in this series over the next five weeks that we've entitled Jesus Is. 
And we're going to look at who Jesus is. We're going to talk about the fact that Jesus is fully God and fully man at the same time. How does that work? And what difference does that actually make to us? We're going to talk about the fact that Jesus lived a human life just like us. We're going to talk about his death, his life, his resurrection. We're going to talk about what he's doing now and where he is now and what he's looking to do according to scripture in the future. We're going to talk about the fact that he's a prophet, a priest and a king all rolled into one at the same time. And why does that make a difference to our lives? But today we're starting off by looking at this truth that Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. And Nimi, even as he prayed, this thought was coming through, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But again, before we launch headfirst into this, let's just pause again and ask, why are we actually taking the time to look at all of these things? Is it that we just want to be a little bit big-headed and know a little bit more about the Bible than other people, and so we're just going to feel really you know, clever about stuff, um, the other side of all of these series? Is that the purpose of it? Yesterday I was um, looking through the BBC News website. There's a child who's doing like, I don't know if you saw it, like 32 A-levels or something like that. I'm like, why? But anyway, that's not the reason that we're doing all these ologies. We're not doing it so that we can be the other side and say, yeah, I know all of these things. We're not doing it because, I I don't know, like we're we're not at the end of the year doing a quiz, a family church quiz, and it's, that's an idea actually, Haven versus Portsmouth (laughs) versus Gosport. Maybe we should do that to see who's actually taught it correctly. But but the reason we're doing this, like always, is for life change. We don't teach for, you know, just for big heads, spiritual heads. We teach for Monday morning transformation. But this would make a difference to your everyday life. Because you see, the more you understand about who Jesus is, the more it will benefit your relationship. The more you understand about who Jesus is, the more you'll live in alignment with his will and his mission and his purpose for your life. The more you understand about your salvation, and we're going to look at that this year, the more you understand about what happened when you said yes to Jesus, the more you live in the power of that and you live a life of blessing, a life that overcomes, a life of victory. The Bible quotes God as saying this, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. We don't want that to be true of us and anybody who calls family church home. We want to have a knowledge of God and his word that leaves us in that place of victory, of truth, of overcoming, of blessing, of being a true disciple of Jesus. So really fundamentally, the question that we're asking in this particular series is who is Jesus? And as I said, that's why we're simply calling this series Jesus Is, and every week we're going to look at a different facet of who he is. But if you were to ask that question, who is Jesus, to people in your world, to people out there this morning who are walking around life, to uh, maybe colleagues, to neighbours, to friends and family, you would get lots of different answers to that question, who is Jesus? Right? Some would say that he has never existed and he doesn't exist now. That some would say he's just a figment of people's imaginations, uh, something that they look to to try and have as a crutch when their life is lousy. And so sometimes you talk to people and you say, yeah, my life was rubbish and I came to Jesus. And and they look at you and they talk as if though Jesus isn't real, but you just used him as a way of having a better life. This figment of our imagination. Other people would use him purely as a swear word. They, They would blaspheme using the name of Jesus, but they've never actually stopped to think about who Jesus is. It's a great question whenever you hear somebody blaspheme. Rather than judging them, why don't you just say, who is that guy that you're talking about? 
It's a great question that just stops them in their tracks in that moment. But they, they use his name without actually thinking about who that person is that carries that name. Other people would say, yeah, I, I know that Jesus existed because history records it. You look through the pages of history, it's very clear that there was a man named Jesus who lived. But they don't believe him to be the son of God. They see him as a teacher, as a rabbi, maybe as a revolutionary that they see him maybe even as a prophet of God, but not that he himself was the divine nature of God. Others understand that he died. They understand that history records that the Romans really crucified him, but they haven't actually looked at what that means to them when they doubt his resurrection. And then other people believe, yeah, no, I believe everything that it says, but they haven't actually taken the time to look at what difference that makes to their life here on the earth. There's so many answers to that question, who is Jesus, even beyond the ones that I've just outlined there. But that was still the same when Jesus was actually walking the face of the earth. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16 for a moment. And these are very well-known verses, but let's look at them with, with fresh eyes again this morning. Matthew chapter 16, beginning at verse 13. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Who do people say Jesus is? Who do people say I am? Well, they replied, some say you're John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. So even when Jesus was walking the face of planet Earth, there was still confusion about who the Son of Man is, about who Jesus was. Then he asked them, But who do you say I am? And Simon Peter, and if you know the Gospels, you know that Simon's always the one who, if there's a gap, if there's a silence, he'll step in, he'll say something. But in this moment, he actually says something that he doesn't have to retract or go back on. He actually speaks something of divine truth. He says, you are the Messiah. You are the son of a living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John. Because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. So according to Matthew chapter 16, truly understanding who Jesus is by divine revelation, not by just human opinion, causes your life to be in a place of blessing. When it comes to Jesus, history may record what he did, and it does. But the Bible reveals to us who he is. Now in that account in Matthew chapter 16... Simon Peter says, you're the Messiah. Other translations say, you're the Christ. And it's a good moment to pause here and say, if we're going to study Christ, if we're going to look at Christology, it's kind of good to know actually what the Christ is or who the Christ is, right? And, and the first thing that we need to understand is that Jesus Christ, it's not like it's his surname. And I, and I say that honestly because you say that to people and you say, well, you know, it's not like JC is his initials. Jesus Christ, Christ wasn't his surname. It's not his last name. And sometimes you talk with non-believers or new believers or sometimes people who have been uh, Christians for many years and they say, is it not? And they believe that it was his surname or his last name. We've got to understand that Christ simply means anointed one. Christ means chosen one. It's a Greek equivalent of the Hebrew word for Messiah. So Jesus is his name. Christ is his title, which signifies that he was sent by God to be a king and deliverer. 
Hopefully you understand and know that my name is not Pastor Steve, okay? My name is Steve. Well, in fact, my name is Stephen, and my close family will call me Stephen. If you listen to my wife, Kirsty, she will always call me Stephen, but everyone else calls me Steve. But the title pastor is simply a title. That's all it is. That's why I'm not too hung up on whether people use it or not. It's simply a title that signifies what I do and the role that I play. Christ is the title given to Jesus, and he was the Christ, the anointed one of God. Let's look at a couple of verses. Acts 10, verse 38. says this, And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Jesus is the anointed one of God. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Luke chapter 4, verse eight, eight, verses 18 to 19, very well-known verses. Jesus is at young ages in the temple and he unrolls the scroll and he says these things and he says, and today this has been fulfilled in your hearing. But this is what he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Jesus is the anointed one of God, the chosen one of God. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to sell at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. You see, the Bible shows us that Jesus was and is the Christ. He wasn't just a teacher. You've got to understand, he wasn't just a nice man doing nice things. He was the chosen one and the anointed one of God set apart as the Christ. So the first thing we need to understand right at the outset, if we're going to talk about who is Jesus, is that he is God's anointed one, understanding that he wasn't created by God or made by God 2,000 years ago and sent to the earth to solve a problem, but Jesus has always existed, amen? He has always been. Now, let's look at a few verses on that and stick with me through this teaching part because then we're going to look at how this applies to us and what difference it makes to us. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. Very, again, well-known words, the beginning uh, paragraph of the Bible. Many people would know it. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, when we read that in English this morning, in the beginning, God created the heavens. It very much sounds like one God, one person. we, We assume it's God the Father. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But the word that's actually used there is this word Elohim. And it's actually plural in nature, but used in a singular way. So right at the beginning of the Bible, we understand that it talks about the Trinity. You say, what on earth is the Trinity? God is one God in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And they all are God as one. And we don't have time to dig into the thought of the Trinity this morning. But the point I'm pulling out here is that Jesus has always existed. You say, in the beginning, in the beginning of what? The Roman Empire? No, in the beginning of, of when the earth was created? No, no, even before that, he is the eternal word of God. John chapter 1 verse 1 underlines a lot of that. In the beginning was the word, that's Jesus, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus, as we'll see in a minute, is the beginning and the end. He has always existed. And again, in this verse, the thought of the Trinity comes through because it says that Jesus is God and Jesus was with God. Again, underlining the Trinity. Verse 3. All things were made through him, through Jesus. And without Jesus, nothing was made 
that was made. So Jesus, as the word, has all the wisdom of God. He has all the knowledge of God. And as we said, he was with God at the very beginning, and he is God. Jesus existed from eternity. He was present at the moment of creation, and nothing was made that wasn't made by him. And again, you say, well, why are you underlining this? I know all of this. Well, many people don't. Many people just see Jesus as somebody who came to the earth, shared a good message, died on a cross. But there's more to him than that. Revelation 1 verse 8. It says, I am the Alpha. This is Jesus speaking. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Again, don't get hung up on that. That's simply the beginning letter and the last letter of uh, the Greek alphabet. So he's saying, I'm the beginning and the end. I am the one who is and the one who was, and the one who is to come, the Almighty. Again, we need to understand Jesus is eternal and self-existence. So what does that mean? It means that he doesn't need anything in order to exist. He's not reliant on anybody else. Jesus is eternal. He's existed from the very beginning and will exist throughout eternity. So that's important that we understand that just as the Holy Spirit, and you've heard me say this before, the Holy Spirit wasn't created or invented and sent to the earth 2,000 years ago for the day of Pentecost. He has always existed. So it is the same with Jesus, that he existed before his conception and his birth in a manger. Now another way that we can know that, and again, Tom doesn't allow us to go into this, but it helps when you're reading the Old Testament to understand that this is a reality, that throughout the Old Testament, there's moments where Jesus appears as the angel of the Lord. Now, there's a number of references in, in the Old Testament to angels being spoken about, but when the Old Testament refers to the angel of the Lord, it appears to be Jesus, especially as after the, the, the moment when Jesus arrives in the incarnation on the earth, it never mentions this angel again. And so again, just further proof, Jesus existed before Mary gave birth to him. Now, throughout the Old Testament, talking about Jesus being the Christ, there's also loads, and we're just going to look at a couple this morning, but there's plenty of homework you can get involved in. There are loads of prophecies about the Christ. There's loads of things about who Jesus would be as he fulfilled this thought of being the Christ, the chosen one of God. There's 574 verses that talk about the Christ. Most scholars believe that Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies about the Christ, and he fulfilled those in his life. Now, here's just a couple where he would be born. Micah chapter 5 verse 2. Micah was a prophet and he wrote what he wrote five, uh, sorry, 700 years before Jesus was born. So 700 years before Jesus was born, this was out there. People had read this. People knew of this. And he wrote this. But you, O Bethlehem, are only a small village. Imagine reading that and you're from Bethlehem. You're like, oh, cheers, thanks. You are only a small village among the people of, all, of Judah. But... A ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. Okay, quick Christmas quiz. Where was Jesus born? It's not a trick question. Yeah, Bethlehem. And so 700 years before that, and we do the nativity and go, yeah, in Bethlehem. 700 years before that took place, here is a prophet of God saying, Bethlehem, you may feel pretty lousy right now. You're just a little village, but there's a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past. That's somewhat of an understatement, isn't it? In the distant past will come from you on God's behalf. Read Isaiah chapter 53, again written about 700 years before the crucifixion of Jesus. And it details this, this really detailed picture of the crucifixion of Jesus. 
Psalm chapter 22, arguably written about a thousand years before Jesus was crucified. It prophesies the death of Jesus down to the finite details, such as his bones not being broken. The soldiers gambling for his clothes. All these things that were prophesied thousands of years before. Jesus' life on earth fulfilled so many Old Testament prophecies. So again, as we just start this, we need to understand Jesus has always existed. He was prophesied as a coming Christ and Messiah. He is the saviour of God's people. Now here's where all of that relates to us so powerfully this morning. Because Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8, which is our key verse for today, where we get the title for today's message from, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. This is what it simply says, Hebrews 13 verse 8, Jesus Christ. Again, remember that's not his full name, he is Jesus, he is anointed one of God. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. Now there's a, a posh theological term for that, which is simply this, immutable. And immutable simply means this, that Jesus does not change. In fact, it's even better than that. Jesus cannot change. Now, why is that good news for us today? Because if Jesus does not change, there's three things I want to highlight to you this morning. If Jesus does not change, then what he says remains. Who he is is consistent. And what he did, he continues to do. That's good news for us today, sat in heaven 2,000 years on. What he said remains. Who he is is consistent. And what he did, he continues to do. So we can have an assurance today that when you build your life upon the words and the teachings of Jesus Christ, just as he said to, to a crowd of people, he told them this story, this parable, and he said, if you build your life upon my words and you don't just hear them, but you put them into practice, you're like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And he said, when the storms come, how many of you have, have had storms in your life? You've had difficulty, trials in your life. Well, you are very blessed people. You've never had difficulty. Well, I'm obviously doing something wrong. When those trials come, when those difficulties come, the, the reality is if you are building your life upon the teachings of Jesus, you will stand firm. Jesus said, heaven and earth may pass away, but my word will endure forever. The things that he said, the things that he taught were and still are reliable. Right? He, he wasn't some kind of in-the-moment preacher who was just saying things that they thought they, what he wanted them to, to say. He, he wasn't some, I don't know, here today, gone tomorrow, YouTuber or TikTok guru. He was somebody who was speaking the eternal word of God. And what he said remains today. Jesus Christ is the unchanging word of God. But also, who he is is consistent. So here's the good news for us today. He will always be your saviour. He will always be enough. His death, burial, resurrection, ascension to heaven will always be enough for you. You don't have to add. So often people come with a different gospel that says, yeah, but you need to do this and, and it's all about your behaviour and it's all about, no, no, no. Jesus will always be enough. Do we believe that this morning? He will always be the truth. He will always be the life. He will always be the only way to God. And it doesn't matter if that's not current trend. It doesn't matter if that's not popular opinion. It doesn't matter if today we live in a place where everyone says, well, it doesn't really matter because you just believe what you want to believe and we all end up somewhere in the castle in the sky. The reality is Jesus Christ today remains the way, the truth 
and the life. That's not politically correct, but it's biblical truth. For Jesus remains today the only way to the Father. Because he is the same yesterday, today and forever. And who he is and what he's done is consistent. And finally, here's a powerful truth. What he did, he continues to do. This is good news for us today. What he did, he continues to do. So, so you read through the Gospels and you see Jesus, this man, get into a boat and go through a storm to get to the other side of a lake where there's a man who's somewhat understatement troubled. There's a man who's continually cutting himself to bits. There's a man who's chained. There's a man who they don't know what to do with him. He screams out and they, it takes a whole group of people to control him. And Jesus goes the other side of the lake through a storm that his disciples freak out about. But he comes the other side and after he ministers to this man, this man, the Bible says, is sat perfectly sane and in his right mind. Because Jesus is one who steps into broken situations and restores. Jesus is the one who can go into a moment that seems impossible and cause things to turn around. And what he did, he continues to do another day Jesus goes on purpose out of his way he says we're going that way but I'm just going to go this way you you guys carry on I'll I'll meet you in a bit I'm going to go this way and he goes to this place called Jacob's well because he knows that there's a woman who's going to meet him there in that moment and this woman comes and she comes in the middle of a day not the time where you should be drawing water. The time to draw water was either early in the morning or late at night because then you would be out of a midday heat. But here she was going in the middle of the day in the midst of this heat. Why? Because she didn't want anyone to see her. She was ashamed. She was broken. She'd been judged. She'd gone from one relationship to another relationship, from one man to another man, trying to sleep around in order to find some sense of self-worth and identity in who she is. And she goes to the water and she sees Jesus and she thinks, I'm not sure about this. And Jesus in one conversation causes her life to be turned around so much that she leaves that place, going to the village and saying, let me tell you about what's just happened to me. Because Jesus is the one who steps into the brokenness of people and restores. Listen, he's the same yesterday, today and forever. And what needs restoring in your life today, Jesus is not just some nice man who lived 2,000 years ago. He is the anointed one of God and he can still restore your life today. You read through the Gospels and you see a man who would go and he'd cause blind people, their eyes to open again and see. He'd he'd lay his hands or he'd just speak and, and deaf ears would open. He'd walk and he'd go up to a paralyzed man and after talking to him, the paralyzed man would be dancing for joy. He'd go and he'd go minister, not just in the crowd moments, but to... An older lady who had a fever and he'd hold her hand and suddenly the fever would leave her. He'd be walking and a woman who had an issue of bleeding for 12 years, a chronic condition we would call that today. A condition that doctors say cannot go away or disappear. A chronic condition and yet she reaches out and touches the hem of his garment and she is healed. Because Jesus is a God who heals. Listen, if my Jesus is immutable, if he does not change, and in fact he cannot change, if he is the same yesterday, today and forever, then that same Jesus who wasn't just a good teacher, he was the word made flesh, he can still heal people today, physically, emotionally, mentally and spiritually, because what he did, he continues to do. 
You read through the Gospels and I love Jesus. You see a man who pushes back on the religious and upsets the religious, but he brings joy to weddings. He's going to bring joy to your wedding next Saturday because he's the one who pushes back the religious but brings joy to a wedding. He, he's the one who upsets the Pharisees who should know better. But he eats with the outcasts. And he sits and gives purpose to a tax collector that everyone else tutted at. And he goes along to the fishermen and he says, leave your business and come follow me. In fact, Jesus has not changed. He's still the joy bringer and the purpose giver. He pushes religion away, but he says, let the little children come to me. What he did, he continues to do. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And maybe sometimes we've allowed life to crowd out who Jesus is. Maybe we've allowed disappointment and heartache and things that haven't turned out the way that we thought they might cloud out who this Jesus is. But if a word is true, which it is, then it says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. And maybe we've allowed religion to shackle the truth of who Jesus is. But in this series, we're going to begin to discover once again the truth of who our Jesus is. Okay, let's close this in this moment. One more question I want to ask you. Who is Jesus? You know, I asked, said at the beginning, if you went out and you said to loads of different people, who is Jesus? You get so many different answers, but I'm asking you rhetorically today, you don't need a shout out, but who is Jesus? Because maybe you have a version of Jesus that was handed down to you by a parent. Maybe you have a version of Jesus that you only knew of him in primary school where you would go for assemblies and you'd have to sing about him and, and pray to him. Maybe you only know Jesus through what you've seen of religion and churches. Maybe you have been living in this warped view of who Jesus is because you've allowed personal opinion or public opinion to override divine revelation of who he is. Who is Jesus? The Bible reveals he is the Christ. He is the anointed one of God. He is the one who has always existed. He's the one who showed himself to be true throughout the Old Testament. He's the one who was prophesied about by so many as the coming Messiah. And he's an unchanging God. But what he said remains today. Who he is is consistent. And what he did, he continues to do. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. And as we pray in a moment, the question I want to ask you is, what do you need from Jesus today? Now don't get me wrong, we come and we worship him because of who he is. But there's moments in the Gospels where it's obvious what the need is, but they go to Jesus and Jesus says, what would you like me to do for you? And he basically says this, I want you to make the ask. I want to hear it from you. I want to hear it from your mouth. What is it that you would like me to do for you today? And every single person who responded with what they required, walked away with everything that Jesus had for them. Because the truth is, if he's done it before, he can do it today. Who he was in your yesterday, he will be in your tomorrow because he does not change. Just close your eyes in this moment if you would feel comfortable doing so. Just as we wrap up this service this morning, I want to ask you, 
in this moment just to pray. You don't need to pray out loud. But just to pray a heartfelt prayer of what it is you are asking Jesus for today. It might be so many different things. It may be to do with health. It may be to do with restoration. It may be to do with your marriage. It may be to do with your children. It may be to do with your employment. It may be to do with education. It may be to do with so many different things. And Jesus said, come to me. Come to me. This Jesus who does not change and cannot change. This Jesus who brings hope. This Jesus who restores. This Jesus who makes all things new. He's still the same God today. Jesus, we come before you knowing that you are a good God. Knowing that you are faithful. Knowing that you are true. Knowing that you do not change. You are the same yesterday, today and forever. We thank you for your faithfulness to us in the past. We thank you for what you are doing in our lives today. And we look with confident expectation of what you are going to do in our tomorrows. Jesus, we don't treat you like a vending machine. We don't come to you just for what we can get out of you. We want to follow you all the days of our life. Jesus, we want to be true disciples. So thank you, Jesus, that you invite us. You invite us to to be your followers, to be your disciples. And as we take those steps, what an adventure it is with you, Jesus. We thank you for the life that you have given to us and the life that you have for us to live. Thank you, Jesus. Just before we close our service down, you know, one thing that Jesus still does, and just keep your eyes closed in this moment, one thing that Jesus still does is he still saves. He's still enough. You say, I've heard about this God and I want a relationship with this God, but I don't know how to do that. And is it it if I do enough good things, if I raise enough money for charity, is it if I, no, 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 none of that is enough. The Bible says we could do everything and it still wouldn't be enough. But Jesus is enough. And the Bible says that Jesus came to the earth. We're going to look at this in coming weeks. He lived a sinless life so that he could be the perfect sacrifice for you. And when he died on that cross, in that moment, as he gave up his life, he did so so that you could have new life, so that you could have a hope and a future, so that every bit of sin that separated you from God would be placed upon his body. And ever since that moment, ever since his resurrection, ever since his ascension back to heaven, ever since that moment, people have been giving their lives to Jesus, have been coming to the Father through Jesus and saying, Jesus, I accept what you have done for me. And they've begun a relationship with a God who made them, who loves them and has a purpose for their life. So I'm going to give you an invitation just to do what billions of people around the world have done over the last 2,000 years and that's to place your faith in Jesus to say yes Jesus what you have done for me I want to accept that and I want to receive that so if that's you today and you say yeah I, I, I want a relationship with God I don't know much about it but I want a relationship with God then I'm going to give you an opportunity to just accept what Jesus has done on your behalf it's a gift the Bible says it's a gift And all you need to do is just to receive that gift and say, Jesus, I believe you've done this for me and I accept the gift of what you have done for me. So if that's you today and you want to know a God who can give you purpose, a God who can give you new life, a God that can give you a brand new future, 
But I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, I'm just going to say, in fact, you just pop your hand up in the air and you can pop it back down again. That's just a, a, a point of you saying, yes, that's me. That's me. I promise I won't embarrass you. But this is about you saying, yes, making a decision. And then if there's anybody here who makes that decision, we're going to pray together and you're going to come into the kingdom. Are you ready? One, two, three. Just raise your hand if that's you. Thank you. Thank you. Two people, you can put your hand down. Anybody else to say, that's me. That's me. These two people have made this decision. Say, yes, I want a relationship with God. Anybody else in this moment before we close this down? Thank you. Thank you. Third person. Anybody else to say, that's me. I want a relationship with God. Listen, this is an invitation. We're not going to drag you kicking and screaming. It's an opportunity. It's a gift that heaven gives to you today. Thank you. Thank you. Father, I just thank you for people responding to your good news. Thank you, Father, that the gospel is good news that changes our lives. Thank you that we can place our hope and our trust in Jesus. And for these people who have responded this morning, Heavenly Father, I thank you that this is the first step or a coming back to relationship with you. Let's just all pray this prayer just as we wrap up this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of new life. I accept what Jesus did for me. Please forgive my sin. Wash me clean. Make me brand new. I give you my future. Amen. Come on, church. Let's give praise for all he has done this morning and for new life.